0: Welcome to the With Counseling podcast. I'm JJ Blandford, therapist and founder of With Counseling. Today's conversation is, what do all those letters mean?
1: Yeah, and that's something that we've kind of gotten into as we've been building With Counseling together, right? Like, just from an outsider's perspective, like everybody, especially in, you know, in, in the mental health world, just has all these like, kind of letters after their name. And I feel like, they're very confusing for those outside and even those inside the mental health world. So what in the world, how do we kind of navigate all the letters behind people's names?
0: So what I think I guess adds to the confusion is we, you know, I had practiced in Illinois for 15 years or whatever and then came to Texas and I realized all the letters aren't even the same state to state which I think makes it so much more confusing. So I think a place to start when we are breaking down kind of the letters would be to Google what they mean in your state. That probably sounds super not helpful, and it kind of feels that way too. And yet, as I began to practice in Texas, I realized they actually have... Qualifications that didn't exist in Illinois. And so it varies wildly state to state. So, since I'm most comfortable with social work, I figure that's the place to start. So, just to kind of like again explain how it's confusing, in after you graduate with a master's degree in Illinois, you're an M, you have an MSW, and they put MSW behind your name. Great. Well, you can take your first licensing exam, which basically you, I think, now have to have a master's degree to take that exam, and then you become an LSW once that exam is passed. Which is what? A licensed social worker. No. And that means that you have a master's, like it's implied that you have a master's degree because you can't get that licensure without it. Well, in Texas, that same level is an LMSW. And so when I started working, I was like, I don't know what this is, only to realize it's the same thing. It just has a different name.
1: Licensed master of social work. Yes. Right.
0: What seems to be pretty consistent is an LCSW. Um, Here in Texas, you can do a dash with some different letters that indicate different things for that. But that just means that the person holds a clinical license. So to hold a clinical license, which is um, the licensure that I hold, you have 3,000 hours supervised by a licensed social worker that you've you know you've worked for these 3,000 hours, they sign off that you are worthy to do social work and then you have to take another licensing exam um, to get that LCSW. And so when you're looking for a therapist, these are kind of the things that you want to be thinking about. Are you fine with someone who's, you know working, towards their 3,000 hours. A lot of times they have great clinical skills. They're being supervised by someone who's pretty seasoned as a clinician, has been in the field for a while. Oftentimes, like especially in a group practice, you might be able to see a person without a clinical license at a lower rate, especially if you're paying like out of pocket or private pay. Um, and so for a lot of people, that's a perk of working with someone who doesn't yet have a clinical license. And the idea, some people want someone with a clinical license because really it means you've just practiced longer. I often refer to myself as a seasoned clinician, which is my nice way of saying, like, I've been doing this for a minute. And I've definitely had, you know, it's an appropriate thing to ask your therapist how long they've been practicing, if that is important to you.
1: Yeah, and I think even before we, like, kind of move on to maybe other genres, like even the words social worker, like, I don't think, Hey, I'm going to go see a therapist. Oh, I should find a social worker. Cause to me, social workers are people who work in hospitals, do give resources, work with homeless people, you know, something like that. Somebody that's kind of doing that sort of work. I don't automatically think, Hey, here's somebody that can do therapy with me.
0: Correct. And I think lots of people think (laughs) that. And so when I talk about being a social worker, it's like, oh, I didn't know you could do that work. And I'm like, well, I've been doing this work a long time. And so, yes, I think even within the mental health field, people can be surprised that social workers can have this role.
1: Yeah. And sort of like transition maybe to the next part that I assume you're going to go to, which is like a counselor, like a li- licensed counselor.
0: So again, confusing. Yeah. In Illinois, it was an LCPC, licensed counselor, clinical professional counselor yeah. i think again which was the same as an lcsw and an lpc was kind of the masters level without the clinical here in texas lpc i believe is the highest level which is equal to an lcsw and it's so confusing that's totally
1: confusing but but i mean i guess the main takeaway is you as a social worker, somebody else with a counseling degree, functionally the same thing.
0: Sure. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay.
1: Gotcha.
0: Um, and so sometimes our training is a little bit different um, just in like community work. A lot of people who just did like a therapy degree got a lot more practice doing that in grad school than maybe I did, who was doing more community mental health. I mean, you can find two social workers who practice completely different, have um, different
1: experience and like do wildly different things. Right.
0: Yes. And so I think a lot of times we get really hung up on the letters behind someone's name. And it's really like the person doing like, I don't even know that most people who see me know that I'm a social worker or really care. Right. Like, can I help them where they are? Great. They don't Often care about my credentials.
1: Well, are you legally licensed to do said job too? I feel like is somewhat important. You know, like you've taken the test and proved that you're not a complete kook or something, right?
0: Yes, and I guess uh, you know to practice, I do like, especially when I'm in person. Like my license has to be prominently displayed, and all of those things. So those are things that are really important to me, and I found sometimes are less important to, to clients. But I think the other like two additional things, and again, it's kind of based on what you're looking for. So I think if you were looking for general therapy, a social worker or like an LCSW or an LPC would both be great avenues and, you know, then based on level of experience, you can look at um, you know, those sorts of things on people's bios.
1: And even what they specialize in, that Correct. sort of thing, right? Yeah. Correct.
0: But I think LMFT, licensed marriage and family therapist, some people who are wanting to do couples work or families work seek out an LMFT just because their experience may lend more to that. Again, different letters, all kind of doing the same thing. LMFTs and LPCs don't come at me. I know our work is different, but you know <laughs> yeah, we're just trying awkward. to help the people. Um, and then there's also
1: sorry, but but it's not like you have to have an LMFT to see couples or uh, or families. Correct. Right? Any any counselor, any social worker could do that in LMFT is just a little more specially trained specifically in those instances. But it's not like they're the only ones that can see those groups
0: of people. Correct. And for whatever reason, I mean, I would say that's the one thing I got when I was doing more couples work is, are you an LMFT? And I add people who would say like, oh, you're a social worker. I'd prefer not to work with you. We're looking for someone more specialized, which I'm always like, totally fine find the person, you know, that you feel most comfortable with. And then I think just an additional certification. Honestly, it was in Illinois and I haven't looked into it much in Texas because it's not my jam, but it's uh, CADC.
1: Addiction counseling functionally, yes. right?
0: Yes. And so oftentimes if a client is coming to me with addiction as their primary concern, I would send them to a social worker or an LPC who has additional substance abuse training. For myself, that is not something that I'm confident in as being someone's primary concern. And so it's another acronym that kind of helps point you in a way that might be beneficial. And so the reality is, I think to some people, the letters really... Mean a lot. And there are definitely people in LCSW and LPC camps who wear their letters with great pride and kind of belittle people in other professions or that hold different licenses. And I think part of it's just figuring out what's important to you. And again, I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to go about finding a therapist. I also think you can just Google the letters behind someone's name and get kind of an idea of what their experience, what their training is. I also think you can ask people. I had plenty of people who would say, oh, you look kind of young, which was a compliment. And the older I've gotten, you know, I maybe have heard a little bit less, but they're just asking like, do you have the experience to walk with someone who's a little farther in life than you are? And so I think it's always appropriate to ask your therapist kind of what their experience is. How long have they been practicing in what capacity? Those are all really okay questions to ask.
1: Yeah. I think that's really helpful. They are confusing, but I think breaking them down like that, like really kind of clears up some stuff. They're really not as complicated once you sort of like break them down into those like groups and really understand that they're functionally the same thing, really, you know, depending on level of experience and that sort of thing. But so, like, what would be the difference between somebody doing counseling, a counselor, social worker, and then a psychiatrist? Like, how do, what's the difference between those?
0: So, I think, I think what's funny is even like I saw some people for years who would sometimes be like, okay, well, Dr. Blandford, Be like, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't have a doctorate degree. Whereas a psychiatrist is a doctor. They have the ability to prescribe medication. I think, again, where like media has kind of confused us is a lot of times psychiatrists are portrayed as, you know, sitting with a client, you lay down on the couch, right. they take all the notes, a lot of psychiatr- psychiatry is in high demand. There is a shortage of psychiatrists. They can be really challenging to get in to see. And so a lot of them, it's not that they don't care about their patients, but their role is medication management, in my experience. So some people go to see a psychiatrist kind of with this idea that they're going to sit and talk. And if you're not seeing them super frequently, they do want to know, like, how are your meds impacting you? How is your anxiety? How is your depression? It is not typically going to be as in-depth as what you're doing with a therapist. And so, you know, a lot of times when I would be meeting with someone and say like, hey, I think maybe you could benefit from a psychiatrist or going on meds, some primary doctors are comfortable prescribing. A lot of times they're going to send you to psychiatry. And so I feel like it was helping my clients understand, you and I are going to keep talking and keep doing the processing. This doctor is going to meet with you, do their own eval, potentially give you medication. They're going to monitor that alongside you and I continuing to meet and doing the work and kind of some of that deep processing. And so a lot of my clients, even though we had those conversations, would come back from meeting with the psychiatrist and like, I can't believe we're not going to, you know, continue and have all these conversations, even though I felt like I had prepped them for that. And so I think it's kind of this really beautiful, like kind of marrying of specialties of they can do the medication. That is something I'm glad that I you know, I'm not responsible for, didn't have to go to medical school to do. And a lot of psychiatrists that I worked with required their patients to be in therapy as well because pills aren't always just the the way to resolve all the things. And so they valued the work that I did and I valued the work that they did. We collaborated. And so I think, you know, realizing like mental health is this much broader and wider system than most people think about initially and so I think even you know you might have a teenager who's seen a school psych you know a school counselor or a school psychologist and then for check-ins at school they're seeing me outside and have a psychiatrist and instead of looking at that as like gosh this is so many providers it's like what a beautiful all these different people with different expertise and experiences are coming around my kiddo to provide a lot of support.
1: Yeah. That is cool that you have all those facets and that, um, I mean really like a a doctor, you know, a psychiatrist just doesn't have the time because they're dealing with more urgent sort of needs, you know? So it's cool that, uh, there are those different, different groups of people. I think that's, I think that's really helpful. And I think, uh, can take a lot of the, um, I don't know, guesswork out of, you know, finding mental health and and services for, you know, improved mental health.
0: Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the With Counseling Podcast. I'd love to continue this conversation. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at CounselingWith or on my website, CounselingWith.com. I hope this provides some clarity about all the different letters that people carry behind their name in the mental health field. I hope this provides clarity that might help you as you navigate your own mental health journey. And please feel free, if there are any questions left unanswered, reach out. I'd love to talk more.